The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, as if religion wasn't scary enough, now there's bat, vampire, angel things, and everyone is getting a little bit culty. We finally finish up our Flanagan Fright Fest and welcome an old friend back to the mic, talking Netflix's sensation, Midnight Mass. I'm Riggs. I'm Eddie. And I'm Leanne. And this is the Film Addicts Podcast. Hey folks and welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. I'm here with Addy and I'm also here with Leanne. Leanne, you're back! Yes, after a year. The return, I know. It's been so long. How long ago did we do that episode? I think late November, if I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's either late November or early October. Like an actual year year ago. Yeah. Well, that's bananas. Well, we're so happy to have you back. Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's beautiful. Uh... How are we all? We're, we're talking Midnight Mass today, but let's let's just touch base a little bit. Addy, you were a dragon for a second there. What's up with that? Uh, um, what? What are you saying? <laughs> I'm just asking how you are, buddy. No. Not a lot of... No oh, pressure. I was a dragon because that's what we're like. It was very cute. It was one of those little avatar dragon... Or little avatar uh, animal people that you can become when you're on whatever the hell we're on. What are we on? <laughs> Google something or Google me. Google meat, whatever. Google vegetables, because I'm a vegan, so... Yeah, I'll do that the next time Baby Blood Axe is here. <laughs> oh, Baby Blood Axe. Hey, that comes out in a few days. God damn it, yeah. Yeah. Are you excited for Rebel Moon, Leanne? Mm, I haven't really... I haven't really been keeping up with the news, so... Really? Have you been yeah. listening to this podcast? Because we've been talking about it every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just sort of left my mind because I've had a lot of things going on and haven't really been keeping up with the news. So, yeah. Busy time but, of the year for you? Or? Yeah, pretty busy. It's, it's around the end of the end of the year period where things just get stacked up on top of each other. How do so you manage like a to... Lot of to yeah, how do you manage to to keep creating the content that you do? Because you you're on it all the time, and and I don't I don't even do you sleep or? <laughs> uh, I do sleep a lot. In fact, I've been sleeping quite late now after I finish my school semester. Uh, well, the the answer is that I don't really manage it all that well. Okay. It's just like a there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that uh that I don't show. Obviously, yeah, but uh, the time management is something I would say is something I'm not the best at. But you know, you just gotta fick it until you make it. Yeah, that's. That and, well, you do, I was just gonna say, like, whatever you're doing, it's working. Because I'm like, she's always on there. She's always got content, 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 and it's good stuff. It's not like you're just doing nothing. Yeah, I f- I feel like I haven't been that active on my account as of recently and also because I am currently on a break like on a bit of an, a hiatus from mm. my account just to like uh, clear the clutter from my mind and just relax given that I've been going non-stop since I don't know this is the first time I've taken like a a week long or maybe two weeks of a break yeah. so yeah. it's been doing me 
it's to been doing myself some good just to clear my mind you have to you've got to disconnect sometimes yeah but i do expect to be back before christmas Ooh. yeah anything with, uh, you can tease a few posts nothing big just a few posts i'm pretty boring in that sense i don't have any podcasts <laughs> really Twelve thousand any... people don't, don't disagree with you about yeah. whether or not you're boring yeah but it's it's trying to find your bearings and as a content creator and what you want to put out mm. it's about knowing what you want to put out and your goals so i've just been trying to find myself regarding that and center myself more yeah absolutely and having a uh um like an integrity about the work as well, because you know you you, you want to you want to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, well, let's well look. We're we're so happy to have you here. Um, it's beautiful. And why was it? You know, we'll get into it more deeply. Why was it in particular this episode that you wanted to be on? Are you are you big Midnight Mass fan? Yes. Uh, actually, Adi did reach out to me regarding this episode because we. We have been quite big fans of Midnight Mass and I remember when he first watched it, I had watched it previously. I think I first watched it in when it first released in 2021 and it took me quite a while to finish because Flanagan's shows are a bit of a slow burn so I did not finish it until December of 2021 right. and it wasn't until 2022 that he actually watched it and it was just a really special experience like like discussing it together when he was watching it i remember it's like yeah it was it was really nice to relive it again with him yeah and knowing how how much we love lanagan i guess he just reached out to me because yeah i'm i'm kind of a big fan of this show not just because of the characters or the plot but because of what it means specifically to me as well personally mm. uh, regarding the themes yeah and everything else involved i think um he does do that so well like it, you you will have taken something very specific from it it's like that i wouldn't but and yet it's as personal to me because there are themes that that are you know relate to me and Addy's the same so i think that's that's one of the real strengths of the show um before we get into it too deep though Addy, the film addict himself, yeah. what's going on, mate? I've oh, missed your face. I've missed you too. I've missed your beautiful beard. It's a, it's getting a little bit out of control at the moment. I tell you that much. There's, there's a lot more grey in there than you can currently see. It's fantastic. I look like a Labrador. Fuck yeah, man. That's how I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Stop sending me grotesque texts. Um, <laughs> but, you, but, but are you well? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Good. Good. Me and Eddie have also some news at the end of the podcast we're going to talk about as well about our our 2024 schedule that we're very excited about. So, But we'll get back to that. In the meantime, do you want to talk about what we've been watching? Because we've all probably been watching some good shit. It's yeah. Christmas. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. What are we watching? I get higher every time I do that. At some point, it's just going to be like, and my head's going to pop open. I'm sure of it. So what are we watching? Let's let's uh, 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 defer um, to our uh, guest host with the most. Uh, Leanne, what have you been watching lately? Do you do the Christmas movie thing? or? Mm, I've been trying to get my, my watching schedule back on track. So I'm just checking my letterbox. 
for the you movies on I've seen. Oh, I gotta find you on Letterbox now. Right, I'll send you my link later. Please do, yeah. So I just watched The Boy and the Heron by Hayao Miyazaki. So it just released in my country. I guess the perks of living in an Asian country for once is that it does. These movies get released here first, even though. Yeah, we've got so, we got it too. We, we, it's on here. Um, I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but, but it just opened. Yeah, it's, tell me, tell me about it. It's 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 quite a lot of themes and layers that he juggles. Like there's a lot of fantasy elements at play, a lot of world building, but he manages to bring it all together at the end with uh, an emotional call, such a yeah, just a very moving emotional call at, at the heart of it he's so yeah it's about the, the, he's he's the king of that <laughs> as far yeah. as anime is concerned like you can't i defy you not to watch a a, a miyazaki film and, and not cry yeah Did it's you either cry? that or well not really it was more of a you robot it was more of like <laughs> It was more of a <laughs> it was more of a heartwarming film, yeah, but right. also a bit emotional at the at the same time. Mm. I guess he and Makoto Shinkai will do that to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Addy, have you seen it yet? Or nope, we get it in fucking January. Oh, well, why don't I just you jump off a bridge then? You know. Okay. <laughs> um. Well, that's a bummer. I, I haven't seen it yet either. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about it um, when when you see it, Addy. Any, have you watching anything else, Dan? Uh, I just and I also saw the new, uh, Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke film on oh, Netflix. Yeah. Leave the world behind. Yeah, I watched it and I was pretty mixed about it. Okay, my sister did mention it to me also when I visited her the next day. She was like, "I watched it and it had such mediocre writing to her." She Ooh. said that even veteran actors like Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts could not save the writing. Oh my god. I did feel a bit frustrated because sometimes it's like the writing is just and it doesn't go anywhere. And also it felt like the threat, the villain of the movie would be much more sinister than it was. Mm. I don't want to spoil anything, but it just happened to be like another run of the mill, like dystopian film. I did give it three and a half stars because I do think it wasn't all that bad. Mm. But after more consideration, I may drop my rating. I'm not sure. It's one of those, maybe if you watch it again, maybe it'll be like, no, it's it's a star and a half less or whatever. Herschel Ali's in that movie. Yeah, he he was really good. I would say the performances as a whole were really good. I just didn't like some of the character work. All right. Well, I will. I will give that one a miss for the time being. I think. Have do you, Have you seen it, Eddie? Nope. I downloaded like yesterday. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, oh, he didn't. Shit. He, no. he watched yeah. it. No, no, no. He watched it perfectly legally <laughs> on Netflix or whatever it is. He didn't download Dick. Diddly Dick. This is this is <laughs> comedy satire podcast. No, <laughs> sorry, Eddie. Go go ahead. Um, you 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 are going to watch it. You were going to watch it with your Netflix account that you pay for, yeah? Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's I, it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm for, I, I, yeah. It's on my list. Fantastic. What have you been watching on... What is, what, what's on your list that you watched? We mine? You, yes, you. Okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing on a podcast here. No one knows. Yeah. We haven't done this in a long time. Sorry. 
That's nah, fine. It's on me, buddy. Um, so I watched Dungeons and Dragons like for the fiftieth time last night. Is it is it fifty or is that an exaggeration? No, it's fifty. Amazing. I've not even watched my favorite films, like my recent favorite films, <laughs> fifty times. That's a that's an ask though. Like, what's what's your favorite film, Liam? Like, what do you think you've seen the most? Uh, well, definitely The Dark Knight in terms of rewatchability. I've seen it the most. I I'm guessing, but I'm not much of a re rewatcher, so that's a ah. bit of a you one of those people. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm more why, of a, why... Sorry, go ahead. I'm a very erratic watcher. I watch a film, and it's also the same for me with music. I watch, I listen to a few songs at one go, and the next week, I'm searching for something new. I like I'm a bit that, erratic. No, no, no that's not erratic. That's like just, that you know, you like, to, you like to learn, and I appreciate that. Um, so what have you been watching? Sorry, Addy. Uh, yeah, so that, um, I watched Klaus again, because I wanted to cry. It's a Christmas movie as well. Klaus? Yeah, the animated one. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. That's that, that I d- discovered that in like 2021 or something at Christmas time, and, and was like, oh, this is going to be a new in rotation. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. I, I watched the X-Men movies again, because I had to. <laughs> what, did someone put a gun to your head? or <laughs> What's no. the damn X-Men pictures? I'm going to shoot you. Well, okay. So I watched the Marvels, but I'm not going to spoil shit. But yeah, they yeah, inspired we'll, me. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Marvels at some point, folks. But it's I, I kind of also don't like talking about those things too quickly because it becomes more about optics than it becomes about what we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you said to me, go and watch Black Adam. And I was like, okay, I'll go and watch Black Adam. But you didn't do it because you were worried about getting people to listen to the show it was just about you really enjoyed it do you know what i'm saying like i just i I, I never want it to feel forced like that um so yeah we'll get to it though we'll get to it so you watch the marvels the x-men's uh yeah i watched all the hunger games movies and i love them no shit yeah i wanted to watch it because um hunter schaefer was in the new one Mm. so i was like i'm gonna miss a lot if i don't know anything about this universe so i watched Mm -hmm. four movies with jennifer lawrence and i love those movies and I went and watched uh, the new one. It's a prequel that takes 60 years before the Jennifer Lawrence movies. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, so it I'm glad that he told me I didn't need to watch like the rest of the movies before watching yeah. the ballad of... Yeah, but it was really a good, quite, quite a good movie. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about it. Like, I watched the first Hunger Games recently, but only because the We Hate Movies podcast did an episode on it. Um, but I've seen... The, I've seen them before. Is there only four? I thought it was five. No, well, together it's five with the new one, but it's only four with Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, because I thought it was like, was it Hunger Games? Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Mockingjay One, Mockingjay Two. Mockingjay One. Okay, I'm thinking the Twilights are five, aren't they? I there's I Twilight, don't know. the uh, yeah, the full moon, the moon one, clips, and then the two, the double part with all that white nonsense going on in it. Um. Wonderful. Okay. Well, yeah. Did you like, you liked Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes though? I did. Just because Hunter Schaefer's in it? Or? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> because Hunter Schaefer's in it. Yeah. She's wonderful. It's a great movie with Rachel Zegler. I feel like she's been getting a lot of hate for no reason. This movie does prove her acting chops. Yeah. I mean, Especially she's... her singing chops. Yeah. She's great in... Um... Spielberg's West Side Story. Like, she was really great. But maybe shut up about 
stuff like that. It just, I, don't, I don't know. It just, it seems, it almost seems like sometimes they do these kind of things. I'm not, when I say they, I mean Hollywood as a collective, like gear negative press because it gets people more, like I know people who are more interested in seeing that film now than they were before she said all that stuff. Oh, do, you, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, maybe they, maybe it's all a bit engineered. I don't know. But anyway, I hope she, she, I hope she has a good time <laughs> with all them dwarves. Um, but yeah, so was there anything else that you watched, Daddy? Uh, one more thing because I wanted to shout out this amazing movie that's an indie Was film. it me eating a banana in the nud? <sighs> I sent you the video. That's a joke <laughs> from a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Enjoy that. A banana nude. Why don't you why don't you tell our guests what a banana nude is? Please. Do you not know? Okay. Leanne, this is something that I invented. It's a really niche kink thing and I'm I'm digging it. It's called a... <laughs> she put her hand over her face like, oh, Christ, why did I come on this show? My parents might hear this. Um, a banana nude is when you get fully undressed just to eat a banana. Is there any sort of background or connotation to this? No. <laughs> I'm not aware. No, not at all. It's so just it's, something that I It's that just I a random... Yeah, it's just a random thing. Actually, I got chided by my sister-in-law because... Um, uh, I came up with the act of it and she came up with the name Banana Nude and she heard the episode. She was like, hey, you stealing my ideas. I'm like, yeah, we did that together, baby. Come on. But she was mad. So, Alex, I'm, I apologize. Um, yeah. Anyway, what was the movie? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I, watched, uh, I watched this Indian movie called Club Zero, which is about a school in Europe that has that like invites a new teacher who starts a really fucked up cult in that school. And it's, uh, yeah, you will not sleep well after that, but it's not a horror movie, so good luck. Okay. Wow. So it's more psychological? Uh, yeah, it's, she starts a cult about um, eating disorders. Ooh, That could be uncomfortable. Sounds heavy. Yep. Yeah. It's <laughs> like um, To the Bone. That was a that was an intense movie to watch. Um, did you like it though? I did. I give it. I gave it five stars. Okay, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of stars for as cringy as you just were. Um, all right, well there you go. Run, check that out um, if you so please. Me, myself, and I. Uh, I've been watching lots of Christmas movies um, because it is that time of the year. Um, I love Christmas. Me, it's a it's a jolly time. Whether you whether you celebrate it in the traditional way or not. Um, doesn't really matter. Uh, so just this already, I've watched a Christmas break, Lethal Weapon, um, love the Coopers, Candy Cane Lane, which is a new one, which is pretty good. Christmas in Connecticut from like the 1940s, Genie, Friday After Next, Noel, Mixed Nuts, Silent Night, Deadly Night, The Muppets, Christmas Carol, Iron Man and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in the same night, because that's what I, that my life's awesome. Violent Night, Eyes Wide Shut, which I saw at the Astor in 35mm with my business partner, Dan, and it was... It was, it was beautiful, just immaculate. Um, and last night I watched Fred Claus because Paul Giamatti is the bomb. Um, but more importantly, he is. Paul Giamatti is amazing. Such a great actor. Well, the one thing I've been rewatching lately, and this is, I give credit to Andrew Jupin for this because he mentioned it um, on his website um, or, or at an episode of the show or whatever. Um, Daredevil. The used to be Netflix series now on Disney, Disney Plus, Plus series... Yeah, streaming in 4K. Thank you. Yes, again. Um, I've just I'm about two or three episodes into season two, 
Um, and season one is just it. It's such a high watermark for for what they they produce. Like I, I seriously think the Daredevil series in of itself, like forgetting the other ones, is the best thing Marvel's done. Or it's the thing that I like the most. There's so much going on there. The characters are so well um, drawn, especially um, uh, Vincent Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. Like his insecurities, his past, his love interest. Um, there's just yeah, it's it's so uh, grounded in 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 reality, even though there's supernatural elements to it. Um, Charlie Cox is is probably the best casting they've done uh, outside of um, RDJ as, as Iron Man. I think he's just was born for the role. And you will forget because the Punisher series wasn't that great. Um, you know, I didn't think it was that great. It was it, it did the character a little disservice. I think you forget how fucking threatening the Punisher is in those first few episodes of season two before you know who it is. Like we all know it's Frank Castle and we know it's the Punisher and all that stuff, but he, he is almost unseen in the first episode until he goes into the fucking ho- uh, hos- um, into the hospital as an active shooter. Like he goes in there to kill that guy and nearly kills Karen. And, and then there's a scene where he goes into the, the army Navy store or whatever it is. And, you know, gets that illegal, um, police band thing and the guy offers him child pornography and he just locks the door and takes a bat to him like before you know anyone's name like just the 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 specter of him over the film and how he goes toe-to-toe with daredevil in a, in a fist fight um and then you know spins around pulls a gun points him directly in the head and just says bang and shoots daredevil in the head and that's the end of episode one like it don't get much better than that kids that's Marvel. Can you hear me? Mark Disney. Put- yeah, I'm right here, actually. This is, uh, Disney. you've been watching that on there. Have you, do you like the 4K? Yeah, I fucking love the 4K, mate. It's amazing. Thanks very much. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Are you going to do Born Again like this? Nah, it's going to be filled with all sorts of fucking horse shit. Oh, great. Well, I'm not going to watch it then. You can fuck off, Disney Plus. <laughs> it's definitely a darker side of Marvel that oh, I yeah. wish they would bring back. It's just the rights are immaculate for Daredevil. It's the perfect blend of mystical, maybe a bit of supernatural. My memory's filling me. I'm not sure if there are some. The, yeah, the end of season elements. two is is gets into the hand and Stick comes back and um, Electra comes into it, and then the the the, the um, Defenders series that bridges the second and third season is very mystical. It's all about you know ghosts and goblins or whatever. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Marvel could be doing, um, Moon Knight could have been this. Moon Knight could have a hundred percent been this and, and it would have been more interesting. And, and you look at it as well. It's like, it was early days of Marvel. We were in between Avengers, the first two Avengers movies for that first season. It's really gritty. Like it's practical stunts. It's practical explosions. It's, it's, you know, they're, they, they're not doing this anymore. They, they're making cartoons now. And I, I feel like you're right. If they, if they took it back a bit and made some stuff for, adults again this is this is where you go so go and check out daredevil on the disney plus um would you like to talk about some nerd news sure do you want to are you sure yeah you're 100 percent sure you want to do nerd news catch us up on some of the news yes especially me because i've not been in the mood. <laughs> okay. this is this is a special edition of nerd news just for leanne so here we go it's nerd news <laughs> The first one is Supergirl will reportedly appear in Superman Legacy 
the James Gunn picture. However, uh, Sasha Carly will not be portraying the character um, uh, she as she did in The Flash. How do we feel about this, friends? The silence I, is deafening. I don't. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. I. I just don't. Yeah. Do you, I, I mean, you, you said it to me and, and, and you were like, this is unfair. And I, I feel like it's unfair to that actress as well. She wasn't given a fair shake. Yeah. No, she was like the best part of the movie. Agreed. Doesn't make sense to just bring her on in the flesh and then, yeah. Especially after she was so into it, you know, like the director, yeah. you saw the video of her and Andy Biscetti on, on the video and she's like, you're super good. And she, she nearly lost her mind. Like to take that away so, so blatantly and bluntly you know it was it's the same thing that happened to henry cavill you know he was just like i'm gonna be superman again no you're fucking not no i'm not like it was really it was very corporate corporate decision making and also like i don't like it because it's it's like she's not getting supergirl yet like somehow the peacemaker series is still canon and if the peacemaker series is still canon that means the suicide squad movie still canon yet that universe does not fucking exist now it's, it's they're going to have to do some, like, heavy lifting to try and get people to understand what the hell's going on. Yeah, it's a bit weird. And then Sean Gunn's massive lord. Sean Gunn's everybody. Sean Gunn, I think yeah. I'm Sean Gunn, actually. I think I think James Gunn cast me, cast Sean Gunn as me in my own life. Um, whatever, man. It's, you know, I, 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 I'm going to skin in the game. Um, but but a, a happy, a happy jolly one is... That a live-action Miles Morales film will reportedly be set in Sony's Marvel Universe earlier this year. Amy Pascal confirmed that a live-action Miles Morales film and an animated Spider-Gwen are both in development. It will be set in the Marvel Universe, uh, uh, the Sony Universe, uh, where you will also find Venom, Morbius, and motherfucking Madam Web. I don't need that. I don't need one bit of that shit. <laughs> you don't. You don't want a Miles movie. If I don't get to make it, nobody else gets to me. Yeah, okay. That's one of those situations. Yeah. If I can't no. fuck her, no one can. The, oh, wow, dude. <laughs> that's a bit serial killery. It's, you said it. I didn't say it. I'm not the, I haven't watched Killer yet. You're the one who's watched the killer. That's a good movie. That's it. But he's a, he's a contract killer. He's not a serial killer. That's a very different thing. Um, yeah, it's. I just, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I still think that the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland should pass the torch, but that's just me, which they're currently talking about, uh, having Drew Goddard come in and he, he's the guy, who, you know, funnily enough, developed the daredevil series. Like, all right, yes, please. And thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, come on, come on, miles, come on, come on back miles. Come on now. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's the, the, uh, Marvel and uh, Marvel studios and Sony pictures, looking for a new director of Spider-Man 4. I guess the other guy dropped out and that was one of the uh, one of the options. Uh, there's also a Spider-Man noir series moving forward at Prime Video with the showrunner of The Punisher. Um, hopefully coming on Steve Lightfoot. Uh, he, I mean, there was a well-developed series, so there's a good thing there. Um, but more importantly, let's just have a quick chat about this. Marvel's... Uh, and then... And fart. Sorry. <sighs> My brain needs to catch up with my mouth, or vice versa. The Marvels will officially end its run, uh, a theatrical run, as the lowest-grossing MCU film in its 15-year history. Do, I, I just want to talk about this for a second because I don't, 
I, I had a conversation with um, Tommy and DL from the um, podcast, the Sample Podcast, when I, I did an episode with them when I was in Sydney um, in November. And they were like, it's good. It's a good movie. Like, who's who's not, who's not doing this? Like, what's what's the situation? Do you know? Can you help me out? I liked it a lot and I watched it twice. And, uh, well, I watched it. I watched it the second time because uh, something happened in the in the first viewing and I, I couldn't hear myself because I was screaming. I couldn't hear what was happening because I was screaming. <laughs> Because you were screaming, I, I we're did. not going to ruin anything. We're not going to we're not going to say anything. Yeah. And, and ruin it. So yeah, um, but so you know how you, like if you if you read a lot of like reviews, it says I don't want to be a hater, but mm. and that's that's when you stop reading it because nothing good will ever come out of you reading that review. Yeah. Yeah. Most of this, uh, most of the reviews of this film were, I'm not a woman hater, but. it's It feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like every time I have a conversation about it, it's that. And I'm like, if if that's where you're starting with, I, I don't want to hear a single word. Yeah. And the fucked up part is, is so much of it is just that. And most of it is people who haven't even watched the movie. People who haven't watched WandaVision or Miss Marvel judging this movie for two characters they don't know jack shit about. And, like, God, I, I really like this movie. It was a fun movie. It was it was a movie that Marvel really needed. And it's it's something that's paying off from a lot of things that they've teased in, in shows and in the movies, starting from fucking... Uh, Doctor Strange and like when I say this is something that Marvel needed it's that Marvel needed to show that it, it doesn't always have to be story and character heavy it can be a fun it can be a fun movie with good characters and good uh, and a good fun story right it doesn't always have to be endgame I feel like everyone's stuck with that you know that you know we will get another endgame I I, I don't necessarily think that's the case and I don't think that Marvel wants to do that again. I think I think there's there's this group of people all over the fucking world who are on the internet at all times just saying that everything that it's like I can't do it. I there's there's so much inside of me and I'm trying to filter without any hate because like it's it's frustrating because I because I love these characters and I love this universe. And I and like People, like a lot of people, just like, they, they disrespect people for, for liking something that they like. And it's like, it's all like, okay, there's a guy who, go, like, there's a video of like Screen Rant interviewing people going in and out of the movie. And most, most of those reactions are like really good, right? And then there's this one guy who goes on a rant who says, make Marvel male again. No, and for fuck my face. And you see where the fucking problem is? Like, dude, come the fuck on. Yeah. Leanne, have you seen the film? Have you seen the Marvels? The Marvels? I really wanted to watch it, but I've been... had such a busy schedule. It was a weird yeah, release window, too. Like, in the, yeah, in, in between was... Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm trying to see it soon, though. Hopefully in theaters, but I think it's it's ending its theatrical. Yeah, if for, it, it'll be on Disney Plus next week, probably. Yeah, you know? yeah, true. yeah, probably watch it there. And people need to lower their manage their expectations rather. Manage is the better word. Yeah, it's not like, lower, but yeah. manage 
yeah, just know what you're going in for. Remember what we're doing here. Like if you go into it, you know, and you like come out and go, it's too many women. Well, it's on the poster, it's three female protagonists. So you kind of shot yourself in the foot there, mate. <laughs> and, and the female antagonist. Exactly. It's like, it's just don't go and see the movie then if that's right. Maybe that's why it didn't do too well. But, um, but yeah, no, I was just interested, you know, in, in, you know, your opinion, Addy, because I know that you were contrary to, to a lot of people. Um, and we'll just finish off uh, uh, with a with a quick message. This this happened today. Uh, it's um, Wednesday, the thirteenth of December, twenty twenty three. The fantastic Andre Brower uh, passed away today. Um, just an absolute uh, genuine legend um, in 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 the field. Um, such a, a competent and um, regal and composed. Um, and very dedicated actor and by all reports a really wonderful human being as well like it's hard when you lose a celebrity you know celebrity dies who you just enjoyed their work but when they were a good person as well it kind of makes it um sort of doubly painful um he had uh, you know a, a great career working all through the 80s and 90s in tv um, and then working in films like uh, primal fear with richard Gere, um city of angels with meg ryan and nicholas cage um, he was in a great film uh, called All the Rage, which was about um, gun culture, um, and he played a, a homosexual man having a um, an affair, but with a woman, like it was a straight, um, uh, uh, like he, he was a straight person. Um, and uh, uh, the homicide movie, Homicide: Life on the Street. He was in a cartoon episode of three episodes with uh, Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan Adventures, uh, The Practice, um, Gideon's Crossing as well. Yeah, big in TV, but I think probably um, the thing that he's most known for... I mean, I watched recently, because uh, it was Halloween time, I watched The Mist, um, Frank Darabont's The Mist, and he's great in that as the curmudgeon old neighbour. Um, he was a general in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, but of course, I think his most famous role is is um, as uh, Raymond Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, just such a wonderful character. And, and, I mean, if you look at that cast, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the most fucking... It was so ahead of its time in terms of its diversity. Wow. To have to have a person of that stature represented as an authority and someone who people didn't even... Like, the, his sexuality wasn't even considered and neither was his race. Um, and, and to have him be never the butt of the joke was... Yeah, revolutionary, and they were doing it fucking, you know, in 2013 before all this shit kind of happened. So, um, yeah, just a, a huge loss to to the acting community and to to all of us because we've been... It was 61, you know? We've been robbed of a lot of really great Andre Brower, older, older man um, performances. So, yeah, it's a bummer. It really is. I, that's my favorite character of the whole show, and I... I, I hate it because I hate times like this because I have so much to say but nothing comes out. I like yeah. Just Captain Emerald Holt was was an icon and there can never be another one. Yeah, I mean they wouldn't if you're rebooting that show is a mistake anyway, but it's just even more unlikable. It would be even more unlikable now, you know. Um did you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine Leanne? I did watch yeah, I did watch some of it, but I didn't like watch it the whole way through. But I do know the the cast and especially like Captain Holt. He was such a recognizable character, especially with the rest of the cast. But it's like yeah, my siblings watch it too, and it was the first news that they texted in our group chat. It was like he passed away, and everyone's just shocked. 
It just shows how much of an impact he's made on everyone. I can't believe it because he's so young and also it's just so shocking. Yeah, 61, that's crazy. And, and, and you'll notice, like, I'm a bit older than you guys. When you get to this age, you open Instagram and find a lot of the people that you really love are dying because all my heroes are my childhood heroes. Like, I, I was absolutely inconsolable for the better part of, you know, a month when um, Robin Williams died. It was it was it was like I'd lost a family member. It was so brutal. Um, so if anyone out there is you know feeling like the the loss of Andre Brower has really hurt you and and you know you need to talk to someone, make sure you reach out to to friends or family or, or professionals. Um, you know you never know what can trigger these things. Just look after yourself. So let's get into the meat and potatoes. We're talking Midnight Mass, uh, Netflix series uh, from two thousand and one, created by the fantastic. Mike Flanagan, that's that's why we're talking about it, because we're doing the Flanagans. What are you laughing at? 2001. 2001. What did I say? I do that almost every fucking episode, don't I? That's yeah. crazy. Was like, it's oh. 2021, everyone. Both the young people caught it. Jesus Christ. Were either of you born yet then? No, we were. Non-existent. <laughs> they didn't, ex- it didn't exist yet. That's great. If anyone could hear the uh, the storm that's going on in the background, I'm sorry, but it's... It's intense here. Um, yes, so, sorry, Midnight Mass from 2021, Netflix series created by Mike Flanagan. Um, basically, for, for those of you who haven't seen it, why are you listening to this episode? We're going to spoil the shit out of it for starters. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, just to give you a quick catch-up, it's about a, a, a tiny little seaside town. Looks like it's in Nova Scotia or something, you know, with a very, very tall, but very, a very, very small, but very, very um, a, a religious um, a, a, denizens like the group of people who live there their local um pastor goes away and is replaced by a young you know interesting priest who might be working with some powers that are even more interesting than jesus so (laughs) let's just uh you know start as we always do i know how i got into this had he said watch it for the show and I was like, okay, I'm watch it because we were talking about the Flanagans. Leanne, ha- you, you were the first of us to watch this. Were you just following Flanagan's career as well, or was it something like why why this show particularly? Well, interestingly enough, I watched it because I just got interested. I was interested by the synopsis and the advertising was really good for it as well. The marketing, it was, yeah. but I didn't really know much about Flanagan before that. And also, I had, I had just joined Filmstagram in 2021, and it released around the same time. So I was pretty new to it all of it. But uh, when I watched it, um, yeah, I, I later got to know more of his works, like Hunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. But for Midnight Mass, it was my introduction to Flanagan as a whole. It, I would wow. say it made a really positive, also very impactful uh, yeah, it made quite a, a positive impact on me. It was very impactful as well because of the, the subject material and the themes presented. So yeah, that's how I got into watching it. It's it's interesting, you, you, you know, you say that it's kind of um, was your first, it was your enclave into to Flanagan as a, as a producer or as a writer or whatever. This is the purest form of anything that he's done. Like this is one hundred percent him. Um, I know that he had some creative, you know, struggles on Hill House. It's also an adaptation. 
Um, Bly Manor, you know, was something he he went into, uh, uh, you know, not begrudgingly, but he went into knowing, you know, what it was going to be. And um, I think Midnight Club, they were even like, you can't do the things you've already done. But with Midnight Mass, they were kind of like, all right, just take the chains off and let him do what he wants to do. And it's one of the most original pieces of, of, of um, you know, uh, supernatural science fiction, whatever you want to call it, horror mix um, that I've ever seen. Um, and then you told Addy about it? I think he he always kind of knew about it because he's a bigger, I would say he's a longer and bigger fan of, uh, uh, of Lanigan's. So, so I I guess it's always been on his radar, on your radar, right? Yeah. So interestingly enough, um, Midnight Mass was the first show that Leanne recommended to me, and Hill House was the first show that I recommended to during oh, the Flanagan Fuckfest. <laughs> hey, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you What are you talking about? What the fuck? You know what my brand is? You're on the show. Like Leanne yeah. doesn't care. She's all good. It's You're like, all right. Uh, I can't enough. Vampires. Yeah, I remember the Hill House, you recommending me to watch Hill House. I don't remember recommending you to watch Midnight Mass. Maybe I did. But then again, I don't have a short-term memory. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me yeah. either. I'm, I'm, I'm like Guy Pearce in Memento. Um, so, okay, so Addy, you, you, Leanne told you to watch it. Were you, do, you were aware of it enough that you would have anyway? or yeah, uh, yeah, I was aware of it enough that I would have watched it anyway. I was just a bit like hurt by... Uh, Blind Manor, because it wasn't what I was expecting, and that's what went wrong with a lot of people, because Hill House is scary shit, where it's also like a lot of character development, and Blind Manor is almost nothing uh, in the same way as compared to Hill House, so uh, like expectations were lost, and like a lot of people lost interest in like what Flanagan wanted to wanted that series to be. It's a it's a very interesting thing because I think it's like for me, Bly Manor is like the most purest that he's ever been in like subverging any kind of expect expectation that anybody had. But also, Midnight Mass is like the shortest one and the one that like has shit like blow up through the roof in like the second episode. It had so many episodes where I was at the end of it, I was like, you fucking what? Like, just, <laughs> no, no, seriously, jaw hanging. Like I was talking about before with Daredevil, where at the end of the first episode of the second season, Punisher shoots him in the head. You're like, what? Hang on, he's the he's the lead of the show. That can't happen. He takes, like, no, no one is safe. Uh, and that's what I love about this show. Like, as soon as, um, you know, shit started to go down, um, and I think probably when Riley died um, in the boat, but, and I know Flanagan, it was originally reversed. It was. Um, and, and yeah, Riley was going to come back and take on um, uh, uh, the um, take on uh, Father Paul and played fantastically by Hamish Linkletter. Like, this is this is his career performance. Like, I love him as an actor, but I think this is just the high watermark. Um, and he was going to come and take him on. And then if they would ever do a sequel, um, Riley was going to become radicalized and he was going to be like a wandering preacher with these vampire powers and shit, which is a pretty cool idea, but... As soon as he burns up in that that boat, and she and and um, uh, Aaron screams, I messaged Daddy. I was like, "What the fuck have you got me into? Yeah. Like, this is I'm heartbroken now, Christ!" Yeah. It was shocking and sad and everything, all the emotions all at once. It was yeah. You were saying before, Leanne, um, about you know the 
and I mentioned it as well, this will speak to you in a different way than it will to me in a different way than it will to her. What are the themes that kind of you you kind of gl- grabbed onto in, in, in the show? Uh, well, I guess it's going to get pretty heavy, but that's 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 what it's... Midnight Mass is anything but not heavy, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the religious themes did speak to me a lot. Also, mm. having grown up in a similar like religious environment, like when in my childhood, just a lot of things, just a lot of things about it, just reminded me, like even down to the hymns they sang in church, things like really? that. Really, it's like okay. oh, oh, I know this. I sang this probably like hundred times. I I can sing the hum- how many parts to all of the all of the hymns. So, but also more than that. It was about the, about what religion can make you, can drive you to do. What you can, with enough blind faith, you can commit the most unthinkable acts. And it's not even about what you believe. Because, like, there's nothing wrong with uh, faith or religion. It's how you apply it, and it's definitely how the residents or the citizens of Crockett Island took almost like had such a unwavering commitment to to what Father Paul would instruct them to do and it ended up in destruction. It ended up in a lot of um it ended up in the worst way possible. So yeah, we don't see that a lot like obviously we don't see this because it's real life and that's fiction but in real life we have seen like a lot of things close enough to it not supernatural but still like along the same levels of that and well, i think it's it's you know like this is it's catholicism but it's it's also like it's culty like i said before this could be very much you know uh, 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 um, Waco, you know, like it's about a charismatic leader who believes in what he's saying, getting people to do heinous shit. And, and uh, as well, like you've got to remember when Father Paul gets attacked by the creature, he doesn't know what it is. He thinks it's an angel and he becomes a vampire. Like I remember you said to me, Addy, I said, they're fucking vampires now. Like there's vampires in this shit. That's awesome. And you were like, kind of, sort of, and it's not an angel. Like it's a vampire. Like that's, that, that's what's up. But he's so convinced that it's given him this, you know, this power. Yeah. And the, and the drinking the blood is just a byproduct of what he needs to do to be able to galvanize these people. You know, we're going to do great work. Just the the, the blind faith yeah. is, is the interesting sort of part of it. Addy, is that, do, do you come from it? Because I know that you, your your background, there's some, some religious stuff as well. Did you want to talk about that? <laughs> uh, you don't have to. Like, I just, I know we've, we spoke about it privately. And if you want to put it on the pod you can put on the pod if not that's cool too no yeah if we ever do a castlevania episode then for sure okay okay. (laughs) yeah stay tuned for our castlevania episode everybody but i did watch the first season of that uh yeah it's um i mean just like that scene when father paul gets attacked in the cave it's in in his mind like he devoted his life to religion and the first thing that comes to his mind is uh the first time an angel stepped in front of humans that were afraid and he takes that on himself not not like filtering like he's filtering his reality with the things that he believes in yet not like acknowledging what the fuck's actually happening mm. and then like 
you know, there, there's a lot of, like in the show, there's a lot of, you know, we, we believe in faith because it's good for us. Yet, you know, Monsignor Pruitt comes back for a very selfish reason to, to have a second chance at his family. And, you know, that's that's all he wanted. And he drives his town into this this frenzy of vampire shit and then ends up killing everyone. And it's like... And this is a weird thing where I like I was watching it and I I I came up with like a very stupid summary, which is it's it's like blind faith and what it can do to people and it's got vampire shit in it. And it's it's something I've watched done like very, very well in in an animated show that I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. But like the similarities are insane because that's Castlevania is a lot about, you know blind faith and what it can do to people and in one of its seasons they they capture a night creature and they worship this creature into opening a portal to fucking hell to resurrect mm. dracula and that's kind of what what monsignor pruitt does here as well where he he captures this this angel in air quotes and he and puts he, it in a fucking chorzable which is one of the most haunting things i've ever seen yeah and like like fuck man like the first episode where like it's it's banging like from the inside it's so horrific and like like the second episode in like the starting of it it starts with like the vampire flying over the town and it's and it's like it's it's the vampire's perspective and like the fact that the fact that you know in in this fictional story there there are people who with blind faith can do things that are horrific and yet somehow believe that they're the right things to do because they believe in the right cause is like the the comparison to reality is, is shockingly similar and like we heard the episode like that's that's exactly what Flanagan was going for like he went into this research of devoted catholic and came out an atheist yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he he it wasn't just this; it was other religions, and and he wasn't he wasn't writing a he was originally writing a critique of of organized religion, but in the end of it, it was more just a statement of intention, of statement of fact of these things happen. I think you know Bev is the perfect example of that. You know that character who is so convinced of her own piety and and her own um uh, uh you know uh holiness um that she is somehow you know, chosen because she believes harder than everyone else. And there's that fantastic, fantastic scene when she turns up um, to uh, to kill Riley's parents, basically. And she, and the, the wife says, why, you know, my God loves my son, even though he's done the things that he's done and he, he killed someone and he's he's flawed and he, he loves him just as much as he loves you. Why does that? Why does that hurt you so much? You know that that's why can't he love everybody? You know, like you, you're that. That's the weirdest judgment. A judgment by you are receiving love for a messianic figure that may or may not exist, and even though you're you've done horrible things, that's not fair. I'm 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 great and I'm completely pure, and yet, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Her her character was so because her arc is almost like she's by the time you get to the end, she's the villain. Oh, she definitely is. Like. Yeah, Even she's the one. Start. She's the one who kills the dog. She's the one who poisons Father Pruitt. She just, yeah, she's just evil through and through. That's that's how I feel. Like even if you try to find a semblance of humanity, 
You couldn't find it because it was all motivated by overzealous religious. Yeah. Just yeah, oh, she's a zealot, right? And, and I think zealot. as well that that she she embodies the problem within not just religion, but with anybody who who because if it wasn't religion, it'd be something else with Beth. Yeah, it'd be something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I I like that about her that she's it's not she her villainy is not tied directly to her Catholicism. Um, and Father Paul, uh, you know, Pastor Mon- uh, Monsignor, sorry, the Monsignor, thinks that he's doing the right thing and that he's been chosen. And then when he sees, like, let's just get into it real quick because otherwise I'm going to lose the track. The the last episode of this show, the second last episode, is fucking insane. Like, the- <laughs> it is just, it is a monster mash. There's fucking vampires everywhere doing it. That's one of the most intense things I've ever seen. And Aaron like getting fed on, and she's cutting the wings of the yeah. angel like her mum used to clip the wings. Fucking hell! It's it's it was it really shook me. Um, uh, but you know that's I was jumping ahead a little bit. But Christ, um, in terms of the themes and things, I think probably what spoke to me the most is is um, the idea of of uh, of recovery, um, and in in the uh, AA meeting that Riley has with um, uh, Father Paul, where he talks about you know one of the one of the the twelve sort of tenets of of um, you know Alcoholics Anonymous or um, whatever it is that you're in, uh, whatever you're trying to kick, is that you have to you know one of the steps is you have to surrender to a higher power, and that that power is yourself, um, as opposed to being an actual a deity of some sort or whatever. And I, I, I kind of I identified with Riley in that respect because I've never been had that kind of thing happen to me. Like I was never in a huge car accident. I never hurt anybody. Like that's not the only person I hurt was myself. But the the I the thinking back on what you've done and being like there was no hand in this other than my own. So there's going to be no one who can help me but myself. Um, I think that that spoke to me a lot and it did, it, it, you know, I've been sober for a long time now, but it did sort of bring me back to that time when I first started. Oh, thanks. I wasn't giving for a round of applause. Uh, it did bring me back to that time where I was like, why am I doing this? You know, why am I hurting myself? And it's, and it is, it is a really selfish decision in the end. And it has nothing to do with anything other than you. It's, you know, you can put the religious stuff aside. Um, talking about, uh, just you know the, the the fantastic ensembles that he puts together. Um, you know what are the standout performances here? Who are the standout characters? Like what's who did you go? Yep, that's that's me. I can I can not not as in I identify with that person necessarily, but you were like this is the person who's going to get me through the show. Because yeah, for me that was Riley, and then he fucking got murked. Like <laughs> I'm like oh come on man, what about the white guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leanne, who did you sort of feel that way about? Oh. Well, the one that's, that definitely grabbed my attention the most, not for the best reasons, was Samantha Sloyan as Beth Keen. Just yeah. because her, her performance was just so chillingly evil and the way she just, yeah, committed. She has Samantha Sloyan, I've seen her in other roles, but this one she just really committed to the bit. She brought yeah. out, like, she brought out all the worst traits of any religious fundamentalist zealot and I have come across a few like Beth Keens in my life before 
growing really? up religious, like not to the extent of killing people, of course. Yeah, and but, being a vampire but, woman, no. But, <laughs> that I wouldn't be here today if that was the case. But <laughs> just be a very definitely. Different podcast, yeah. Bev, I've met a few Beth kids with like the same like def- utter devotion to their cause that they don't see anything else. They just see mm. the straight and narrow way that they think has been. Put out do, you pity, do, you, by, do you pity them, Leanne? Do you feel pity for people uh, like that? Or, or yeah, I do feel, different? I don't feel pity, pity for them because at first when you're young, you don't understand it. You're like, why is this person like that? You just don't like the impact, the negative impact they have on your life. And especially with people like that growing up in a religious community. But when you grow older, you're like, yeah, you definitely feel, feel pity and you see another side to the to the person because these are people who maybe have not been introduced to another worldview since they were young that's that's the only thing they've known all their lives and because past past they are bad not i wouldn't even say that some of them had bad intentions they just had they just did bad things but they thought they were doing it with good intentions but past that, really, a lot of them are just uh, misguided people. And they do use that as a, as a, and this isn't a critique of religious people, everybody. We're not having a go. I'm just, it, it's what the show's about. Um, they do use it as a catch-all for, you know, why that, oh, well, you know, this. I'm doing it because of this reason. And it always comes back to some, an actual selfish thing, but they're doing it for what they think is a pious reason. But I also find the converse to be true. I've got some, you know, very religious people in my life. And I was fascinated after watching this and I investigated it a little bit more and, you know, did, did some Bible reading, read some passages and stuff. And I don't know. I don't know any better than anybody else, but I, the stories are cool. But the... I've been talking to someone in particular about it and and her view was it was it was great it, we were talking about um you know people praying and what pray, what prayer does for you and you know that she's she's prayed for me and she's prayed for my family and that kind of stuff during hard times I'm like yeah but what does that do you know what what is that is that is that you making yourself feel better and she goes no it's me putting putting it out there to Jesus to 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 help you and and I said but what if he doesn't, you know? She says, well, you don't pray. Like, he doesn't answer you all the time. Like, you can pray, but he doesn't always say yes. And that was fascinating to me to have to hear someone talk about it in, in a really mathematical way of like, yeah, you can talk to him, but he's not just going to, he's not Santa. <laughs> he's not just going to be, like, oh, yeah, you can give a bike and a toy and a Nintendo and all that kind of shit. Nintendo, fucking chum age. But you know what I mean? Um and, and and then I had another conversation with a guy because I heard a story about... So, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I heard a story about Jesus from the Bible. It was actually on a stand-up show, but the story is true. Well, true in the sense that it's in the Bible. Um, Jesus, while walking with the disciples, came upon a fig tree and it had no fruit on it. And he wanted a fig, apparently. He was big on figs. I don't know if you know this about Jesus, but him and figs? Mmm, buddies. Um, he made a wonderful fig date and a nut loaf. Whatever, I fucked up my own joke. Anyway, so he came upon the fig tree and it had no figs and he cursed it. He cursed the tree. He said, you know, um, no fruit you bear now for man shall you not bear again or whatever. That was a really bad interpretation of what it said. But he said, look, you know, figs, no more figs for you, fig tree, get fucked. And the following day, the fig tree had shriveled up and died and the apostles went, hey, Jesus, 
um, this fig tree that you cursed, it's dead. It's got no figs in it. And he just said, trust in God. That is the theological equivalent of a mic drop. <laughs> like, that's, that's sassy as. And I, I, I said it almost as a joke. Because I thought it was a funny story, and a friend of mine who's who's you know a very religious person plays piano in churches and all that kind of stuff. Wonderful, wonderful human being. He was like, no, that's about faith, and that's about you know trusting in God that that, that even when it is something that is a negative thing, it can it is still for the best. You know, I don't know what the rest of that story is. Maybe the figs had gone bad, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, you you there are those bevs, but then there's also people like Kate who is is you know on the fringes of it and has an understanding of or her understanding of the afterlife like that conversation between her and riley that's that's my favorite that's my favorite flanagan scene ever it's amazing it's really amazing um and and you know to talk about coming back to the earth and becoming energy to feed the rest of the world like that's that's a much more that's Taoism. you know that's that's a a, a nature we are one with nature like the universe only is the universe because you are in it you know like you yourself leanne and you yourself addy are the whole universe just yourselves you and 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 if it wasn't for you you wouldn't everything else wouldn't be here either you know i love that kind of mentality um why was it such a great scene for you addy is it just because the writing's so good because it hit your heart like why yeah well my like my pull for the show was well the religious stuff of course but like the theme of death is very imminent in in the show. Like mm. throughout, like it it starts with death and it ends with like the whole town dying. In a in spectacular fashion. Yep, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I haven't seen a fucking a, 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 a you know daylight murdering that big since the end of Dust Till Dawn. Like that was that was just incredible. And the boat goes off. And I was convinced that the Midnight Club was a sequel about them too. Isn't that stupid? It so be, disappointed. There, there was a theory that if they had a season two for Midnight Club, that in in some way they would incorporate like that ending to like just show that those characters somewhere else. So it'd be like oh, a, it would be like a universe falling on itself because it's the Flanagan thing as well. Sure. Fuck Netflix anyway. <laughs> yeah, fuck them in their stupid faces. Um. Yeah, he's he's moved on to Amazon anyway. He's he's over at Prime working on projects. One of them, which is the Dark Tower, Dark Tower. Um, yeah, which is which is pretty metal. He's got a couple of really great episodes on uh, the Script Apart, a script, and then Farts again, the Script Apart podcast that me and Addy talk about quite a bit with Al Horner. He's he's been on the show a couple of times and he's really insightful. If you get a chance to listen to those, um, so yeah, sorry, you were saying about that particular scene. Yeah, it's like. Like Riley's description of what what happens after death, or what happens after you die, is, is very like scientific, very realistic. And yet, by the end of his explanation, he like he says that the last thing you see is what your mind kind of, in its last attempt to give you some sort of relief, shows you, right? And Aaron's like whole perspective on it is is more spiritual, more more closure than than realism and like it's something that fuck okay it's something i think about constantly it's just who i am right and it's like it's it's not every day that it's like in a show that has so many other very strong themes 
that you, that you get that you get something that you've been thinking about for like almost your entire life and once once like once you see that it's there's some sort of validation there but there's also like like you know it's it's like it was like Mike Flanagan reaching out through the screen and be like hey motherfucker <laughs> I know you. I know you think about this. I get you, and I see you. I was like, "Oh man, thank you." It's he. Yeah, he he does that. You know, he he um he has a way of yeah speaking to you as an individual while still maintaining something like the idea of being a staff writer or or you know someone working on a show like this is just it's mind boggling. Um. I also want to talk about um, uh, the cinematography just because it, it it's his most beautiful. I mean, probably apart from Dr. Sleep, it's the most beautifully shot of his, of his pictures, um, of his things that he's done. Um, the, the way that he uses light to, um, because it's a horror movie, you got to not, you don't light very much, you know, like it's, you keep things low lit, but when he does light, it leads your eye. Um, which is a really, you know, particular um, style of, of cinematography. And I'm just looking up the cinematographer's name. It was Michael Beep. Sorry. The way you spell it is F-I-M-O-G-N-A-R-I. Filmonari, I think it is. I don't think you would pronounce the G. Or film Filmagnari. Whatever, Phil, <laughs> Michael, he shot all of the episodes, which is unusual for a, um, a, a series, even one that's that short, um, to have one cinematographer. And the yeah, the 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 eye of it is always the same. There's a consistency to it that I feel like even um, uh, you know some of Flanagan's other work uh, uh, lost. Was there any episodes in particular that kind of stand out to you as being the ones where it was, you know? I mean, you're always going to be hooked on it, but you were like your favorites, you know, it's like, oh, that was the one I'm always going to remember. Well, the episode where and finds out she's had a miscarriage and like the implication that has to like what the fuck's actually going on is that like the blood is is like the vampire's blood that's mixed in the wine is is like taking away the, the bad parts of, of the people that they're drinking them. And the reason why it doesn't work for Aaron and for Riley is because, like, these people aren't looking for something else to make them better. They're trying to be better themselves. Mm. That's why... Oh, beautifully put. That's why That's why when Riley gets the blood, like, he runs out and he burns so much because, like, he wasn't looking for God or, like, he wasn't looking for anything else to, you know, to, like, better him. He was on the journey of betterment. And... Well, fucking sucks is that that a thing was actually working for Joe, like the the guy who shot the girl, and like Joe Collier. That scene, that scene yeah. of like, yeah, it also speaks to like the hypocrisy that happened before it, because you know, Father Paul says all about you know we need to help people, and you know there there's a higher power, and we need to defeat our you know addictions, and yet you see him kind of like almost as a as an actual vampire kind of just just hug joe for that minute and when he breaks free he he hits his head on the corner of the table and he dies and he sort of reverts back to what what a, what an actual vampire would do is just start licking the blood off the floor while while he's still like seizing and dying in that moment and like 
it hurts the most for Aaron and Riley is because like those Aaron becomes the hero of the story because Riley dies and tells her what to do and you know in in, in Aaron's art she she loses she loses the kid that saved her life yet she she saved the she saves the kids of this town and she saved she saves Riley's brother and Riley after going through going through so much never believes in in like like that whole the whole like sequence of Father Paul and Riley sitting sitting in there throughout the day after after like the vampire like feeds on Riley is is Father Paul trying to indoct indoctrinate everything that he wants him to believe and Riley refuses to believe any of it and he he goes home and he he looks at his, he looks at his parents and and they he he writes he writes a letter and he goes he goes there and he explains everything and you know in his in his last moments he says his truth and he gets he gets the he gets the ending that Aaron was talking about where there was nothing scientific about it and we kind of saw it from his perspective that he sees the girl that he killed and he's on the boat alone and we switched right back to him burning and it's what Riley would have described if if presented with that like sort of idea of what would happen if you die if you were that person if you were the vampire what would happen if the sun rose and we switch back to them both like switching their their perspectives and kind of getting each other's ending it was just yeah death <laughs> <laughs> he just did two thumbs up yeah. um yeah i i i I totally feel you. That was that for me was the, the the most shocking moment of the thing of you know your. I mean that's what that's what it is. That's what a, a you know a second act turn is is where you just pull the rug out from everybody and if you do it well, it's it's really memorable. Um, like I've only seen the show once, but I'll I'll never forget that image. Um, Leanne, what what episode sticks out to you? Mm, I think definitely the last episode when everything came to a culmination. Took down a few notes here, so I'm just going to refer to them. So, do you yeah. hear that, everybody? Leanne <laughs> came with notes. She's I a did. pro. I did. We're watch, just making it up. Yeah, I, I. It's been a while since I watched the show, so I had to do some like, uh, remi- like some research before that. I watched a few videos, and yeah, just helped me get in perspective. Hey you man, mind. it's more research just... than we do for the show, so we appreciate yeah. you. Sure. <laughs> you don't mind. I'll just throw out the titles that you can find on YouTube. Uh, there's one called that really dives into the religious themes well. It's called uh, How Netflix's Midnight Mass Gets Christian Radicalization Exactly Right. And it's by Gen- Genetically Modified Skeptic. And That's a cool handle. Yeah, it's really... Yeah, he does dive into a lot of other similar like topics. And another video, which is basically a video essay, is called The Art of Religious Interpretation. And it is uh, regarding Midnight Mass versus God's Not Dead. It's by Biz Barclay. Uh, so she really dives into those themes. And pick, I picked up a lot of tidbits along the way. And also by some YouTube comments. So you guys were talking about... I think Adi was talking about how the blood was mixed in with like um, Erin. And that's how she miscarried. Yeah, because it was in the, uh, it was in the sacramental wine. Somebody mentioned that 
it's not my original thought or observation, but somebody mentioned that it was like the exact opposite of the virgin birth. How, yeah. How it happened, it was like the exact opposite. She It just disappeared. And yeah, it's wow. like, it's like quite a neat op, uh, thing that detail that Mike Flanagan put in. Also that he's, they're kind of like people are becoming younger ailments are going away like they're becoming immortal creatures you know slowly it's you know the the power that's in the blood and blood as a as a as a concept you know it's it's without it we don't get very far you know um i think it's about the vampire blood is curing people and by you know concept alone like having and growing another person person why did i go to lithball of a sudden that's ridiculous <laughs> They're like Donald Ducks, um, or Daffy Duck. Donald's different. Anyway, yeah, by by you know a, a a an agent like a foreign agent inside your body could perceive an infant or or an embryo as being um uh, uh you know like white blood cells uh, um yeah white blood cells attacking a virus you know or attacking a disease like it could be seen as something that would harm the body um you know. When, if you're talking about science, uh, you take away the the sort of um, reverse virgin mother kind of idea. Um, so yeah, I think that's that that's right on. Yeah, and the last episode was also just like such an emotional conclusion, especially when we see how um, I think Sheriff Hassan, another pretty like prominent character in the show, he Fantastic. Beth confronted him and said. And then he replied with a Bible verse. I'm not sure which one it is, but he was like, I think I remember it. It's, he said, the Lord makes the light, the sunshine on the, on the evil or something like that. On the so just basic, and the unjust. On the just alike. and the unjust. And then basically we see it happening when Beth was about to face her death and she suddenly realized how much she was not prepared to face death despite her belief and her devotion. She started digging a hole in the sand, but the sun had already come up and it had burned her. But I just felt like that scene in particular showed, showed it was like, it was like comic justice in a way. It's like, it was like, you, you just have, you just did all these reprehensible deeds all throughout the show, all throughout that period. And you believe yourself like untouchable because you were one of, let's say, God's servants and you thought you knew what he he said best and turns out in the end you are the one that's digging a hole to escape your own death. And I like that though. I, I think that's you know, she uh in that moment it's all it's all hit her. Like she's she's not pious, she's not better than anyone in fact she's quite horrible and done horrible things and and you know she's digging to escape the sun but she, if the, if what she believes is going to transpire she's going down anyway do you know what i mean like that's that and i i did i felt I, I maybe not pity but i felt um i felt that that what would that would feel like of like to everything you've believed all of a sudden comes to a, a brick wall and you're like oh no it's this is this isn't going to end how i thought and I think it's not even just that she it all came to light to her at the end. It wasn't even about what I believed the whole time along wasn't true. It was more of like what I believe is very well 
going to be true and it's going to become true for me. So because if she, if let's say she believed what she believed, then she would be going to hell in that sense for everything. And I think it sort of, the light bulbs went off in her head during then and she realised, hey, I'm a horrible person. I did all these things. And I could very well not be going to the after the afterlet, I mean the promised like afterlife that I thought I would be getting because because of my devotion. And she could very and I think it just she just realized that she would be going to hell. Like I mean if she believed mm. that and it was like it was a bit yeah, like I said it was like comic justice but also like a bit of a satisfying moment. But I don't want to seem like I'm reveling reveling in the death of a character as horrible as Dimity, but it was more of a, a realization, and also like what comes around goes around. The sense she did, yeah. she did horrible things, and in the end, it came back to her. As as much as she liked to think she was one of God's favorite servants. That's 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 karma for you, yeah. Um. You you touched on um, uh, Sheriff Hassan there, uh, uh, played by um, Raoul Cole, uh, who's fantastic um, in this. Uh, he's great in the House of Usher as well. Um, having having a a proxy for um, you know people of of Islamic faith in this film in this show is interesting because it is it's unusual to have him in this place, like the actual place I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Um, and and he plays it so well. He never lets it be. Um, what everything that his character is about, it never, it never gets to that. Um, and his relationship with his son is his son slowly becomes radicalized and indoctrinated into you know a faith that is, you know, not opposite or counter to, but just very different than than his own. And how important that is to him, and how important it was to his mother. Um, just another beautiful subtle touch. Like that's the other thing, you know, you know, I was saying about Daredevil before. You you come for the. For the, for the great looking monsters and the frights and all that stuff and whatever, or, you know, with Daredevil's case, he come for the backflips and the, and the, and people, you know, getting their asses handed to him by Punisher or whatever. But you stay because you see people who you, you, you know, feel something for, or you see yourself like character work is, is more critical than anything else you can do um, in storytelling because otherwise no one gives a shit. No one's going to, watch your show if if your characters aren't people that we either want to root for or not root for um and i feel like he's one i want to root for and i i feel just to kind of you know finish up talking about the characters father paul or, or the monsignor um uh, played by hamish linkletter he, like i i it's, it's, a, it's such an amazing performance because it's so e- it would be so easy to car- um caricature this guy um to have him be you know the 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 ver the, the preacher, you know, the you know, all down and fire and brimstone, like you know what I mean, like one of those old guys, you know, from below the Bible Belt. But it wasn't. It was so subtle. He was so sweet and soft spoken. But then when he starts to get the power, like you know, again, power corrupts. When he starts to get that, and you know, there's that great speech um, uh, uh, where the the mother who's sort of aging backwards, she's got that full on Benjamin Button. Um, she she's like you can't go there anymore because what he's saying is an affront to God. It's not, that's not what God is. Like he doesn't need swords. Like he's not worried. The, the, the times, times of war are over. This is peacetime. Um, and that, that sort of, 
that was really interesting to me. And then the turn again of him going, oh my God, like not even realizing, oh fuck, I'm a vampire. Like it's more like everything is wrong. We've made a mistake here. This isn't, this isn't what we're supposed to be doing. We're not chosen. Um, you know, we're just servants like everybody else. Just such a beautiful performance. It's going back to Bev Keen. I know, like, <laughs> I'll take all the reveling in the, in an evil person's death because the more I go back to that, every, I, the more I go back to that show, the more I love her death scene because it's just, it's, it's all I ever wanted from that show. I didn't feel a bit sad. Not, I didn't feel sad for her. I just felt sad in the fact that she she just she just thought she was the she was the good guy all along the whole time and turns out that what you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, yeah you really, stole the words right out like, of my mouth, like, actually. Yeah, yeah. Dark Knight reference, I think. Was it a Batman reference? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's Dark Knight, yeah. And just the way she just used like, Bible verses to manipulate the congregation. It's like, she would just draw any. There was like a weapon. When Joe Colley and a few others confronted her, I don't think it was Joe Colley, but another character, she just dropped Bible verses one after another. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to take it as like a weapon in mm. that sense. It's like she would be like, oh, but God said this, the Bible, this and this and this. And then it was like, yeah, especially when you're, when you're involving the Bible, because I don't know how like, how dangerous it can become once you justify your actions with a higher power or some sort of holy scriptures. It's like, so I can just draw anything and the Bible is just big enough that I can justify anything. You can just take one verse yeah. out of it and just say, oh, so this is how I justify like uh, living my life or treating how I justify treat, treating people. Yeah. And, then, and then it's just like, it's like, it's like, yeah, she turned out to become the villain the whole time. And she realized it about herself at the end. And at the, in the very last second, like just yeah. before like, her death, she realized she was the bad went guy. Off. Yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah. then and then the light literally went out. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I think that the kind of the beauty of the show is that even even those who are like you know everybody is judged the same um, for what goes on. Um, the the other character, the doctor, who I really love, and has who has that wonderful speech when Aaron comes through and says, "You're not going to fucking believe this." She's like, "Let me tell you a story about the guy who you know demanded people wash their hands, you know, between you know uh, performing surgeries and 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 delivering babies, and how much life saved." And they thought he was a heretic and you know an insane person, um, like that. You know, she is she. There's no escape for that either. Like it's it's yeah. There's no. There's no right answer anywhere. Um, I mean, it's, certainly don't be Bev <laughs> because that's that's a fucking mistake. But, you know, it's okay to let things run away with you and, and, and to be passionate and to be um, faithful or not faithful, like whatever it is you want to be, just as long as you don't let it define you. Like you can't wear these things around your neck like jewelry. It doesn't work like that. So that's Midnight Mass, everyone. Um, as you can tell, we all loved it. Uh, let's just go down the line and, and say, I know we talked about most of them, but let's just say like our top three favorite moments, like favorite things that happened in this show. Let's start with our wonderful guest host, Leanne. Oh, should we start with Adi first? I'm trying to colorize yeah, a bit of my thoughts. Right. Oh, I'll try to, I didn't, I somehow I did not prepare for that at all. So instead of like, let's say saying my top three moments, should I run down for my top 
three observations in that sense. Can I replace it? Sounds good. Right. So a bit of trivia when I was doing research for this is that there's actually a sort of vampire that's referred to in the Bible. It's called Aluka and it's in Proverbs 30. It's like a feminine Hebrew word that means a horse leech, a type of leech that has many teeth that feeds on the throats of animals. And to some scholars, it can mean a bloodlusting monster or vampire. So there's definitely a bit of uh, historical origins there. Wait, what was, what was the name? Aluka. It's A-L-U-K-A-H. Yeah, oh, okay. I'll send it later so you guys can like do a is bit there... more trivia. So, and then another one so is another thing called Alucard, which is it's it's like it's a sleeping soldier for God. If you if you read Alucard like backwards, it spells Dracula. That sounds like it. That's just from that show that you watched. Though I don't think that's for the reals. <laughs> that's just a Castlevania thing. Sorry, Leanne, go ahead. How, like you said, Monsignor Pruitt or Father Paul thought that the vampire was a angel the whole time. And that's partly because he saw everything through the lens of faith. Like, everything is a part of God's plan and will. Even him getting bitten in the desert. Like, that's the whole reason he even went, like, as an old, an old, slowly like his health was declining old men visiting the holy land and going on to the desert he believed it all to be part of god's plan getting bitten going back to recruit followers into this new whatever sort of following or cult he had because he saw it through the lens of god's will and god's plan so yeah in a sense it's just a bit like um Shakespearean in that sense, but it, what do they call it? Tragically poetic in that sense. Another thing about Riley Flynn, it's like he was the skeptic all throughout the show, but I think in many horror movies, especially those featuring religion, he's the skeptic is shown to be the asshole. Like they are the ones that don't believe that the religious leaders can do anything to stop the evil powers. But this time, Riley, I feel like his. His actions actually mirrored like a bit of that of Jesus's in the way he he sacrificed himself. Like he took he took Erin out on their boat and he he told her everything and he sacrificed himself so that he would not turn into a vampire and feed on her. So there was like I felt there was a quite a poignant moment of of sacrifice and also another one of redemption. And yeah, and this time he was the one that actually embodied most more of the traits of of let's say what a religious person or faithful person should actually be. Let's say unlike Beth King. Just just thinking about what you said there about you know the the, the sort of correlation between Riley and Jesus. There there is a a sense of like because Jesus didn't want to be the fucking savior of the world like he, he couldn't have like imagine telling a child that they're the child of god and that they're going to save everybody like no wonder there's a huge gap in the in the bible where you don't know what happens because while he was dealing with all this shit so not only am i going to be the savior of humanity but in order to do that i have to die like horrifying not only that, but then yeah sorry but go ahead not only that is that 
I guess the the Christian like perspective of it is that he was like incarnate, God incarnate. So mm. even if he was like so called the child of God, he was still God and he still knew it. But yeah, I guess that's where the mis- Christian mysticism comes all all comes out. Where yeah. it's like the Trinity and three in one. So he he did have a uh, part of him that still had humanity and another part that was divine. So those two struggled like they were at polar opposites and also like manifested itself in the story where I think Satan or the devil took him out to to the wilderness and then told him to turn the rocks into bread. If you were God, you could do it. Something like that. So yeah. I forgot where were we at? I don't know that I don't know that story. Rocks into bread sounds pretty delicious though. Um yeah, no, you, you you're right. And and the 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 idea that being a savior like that and having having um you know holiness and and having being deified you can't do that without the humanity part of it you know um you can't be a a a, a person for all people um and, and a divine being without having a part of humanity in you that's why god sent him um because god is creator you know um yeah fascinating um addy what about you my friend you want me to follow that? Like, that brilliant. <laughs> you don't have to. You could just well, remain still if you want. Last. I want one thing to add. I would, my, my, don't mind. My, right, oh, I was saying about, uh, I think that Scorsese is the last temptation of Christ. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it, it, uh, yeah, it does, it does, like, uh, focus on that brilliantly if you want to see the struggle between Jesus' humanity and divinity. And it was so, um, it was such that it was, it, caused the controversy in Christian Christian circles all across the board, even among the Greek. Because yeah, because it he focused on what the unspeakable, on what what could have happened if Jesus actually did not want to become the saviour of the world. Yeah. And it's and it's played by William Defoe. William Defoe. Yeah. Too good. Um Alright, so I'll do my three. Um, fucking barbecue on a boat, just brutal, absolutely brutal. And the scream will be with me until my dog. But when I've forgotten my own name and how to go to the bathroom by myself, I'll still remember that scream. Um, seeing the, the vampire in the Chausable, like it takes a lot to, to, to get me shook because I can see where all the seams are. Like I know how they do prosthetic work. I know how they do, you know. Uh, forced perspective like I know all that stuff and to for having to go what the fuck um just intense and the the scene where um father Paul uh yeah he's trying to console I want to say Grady but that's not his name what's his name the guy who killed the the young girl oh Joe, or paralyzed oh, Joe young girl. yeah Joe Corley like where he he like trying to console him but then the beast takes over yeah. um and I was just like this is some fucked up shit like it was just you're right, licking the blood off the floor and then somehow convincing himself that that's all right with the help of Bev, of Bev being like, that's all right, we're going to hide this and, you know, I'm your, I'm your person, you know, I'm your number one. Um, yeah, just just a couple of moments that really shook me. Addy? Yeah, also just to add to your last point, um, like, he, like Father Pruitt does that and then Bev comes in and she's like, okay, okay, okay. And yeah. then she goes from like, bitch, say something. <laughs> 
He's a vampire priest. He's a vampire priest. You need to do something about this. If you've seen a movie, get a steak and get some chips and some mushroom sauce. And it's delicious. No, you know what I mean. Like a proper steak. Just her nonchalance was just so infuriating towards like everything. It, she, yeah, nonchalance is the word. She was just like, whatever. It's like, you've never seen a vampire before ever and now your priest is one. Father's Paul's reaction towards the end was more like he, he did come to the realization that was his redemption. So, like turn turn around point where he realizes everything he did was a mistake. And yeah, you could still feel remorse for him because he wasn't totally an evil person. He realized he wasn't really evil. He was just misguided. He, he was never evil. There was never evil in his heart, even when he became a vampire. Yeah. Emotional and touching moment when he and I think uh, Dr. Sarah Gunning, his daughter, who turned out to be his daughter, and he told her yeah. that he's proud of her. And yeah, just I think also just like subverted what normal tropes of a family because they weren't a normal family by any means, but somehow they, in those last few moments, they felt more of a connected, like a connection there as a family than not any like many biological families that we see on screen that was it was a beautiful little thing that was kind of happening amidst the chaos of that episode yeah um addy sorry we keep getting we keep getting coming away from you give me give me three give me three that's all right um okay so like the first one is is i'll go one two three so the first one is is the is the conversation with what happens when you die um, the second is also I. <laughs> I'm gonna go off topic for for a bit because I, I like it clicked for me like last night while preparing for the episode, which I do very rarely. <laughs> is that the reason why Father Paul started to burn all of a sudden was because of the poison that Bev was giving him, like in in the wine, in the food, in the water. It's the same. It's the same poison she gave the dog when she died. When the dog died. And like that's why he starts to burn, and because all of it is connected with like his blood, kind of because you know he's he's refilled the bottle with his blood. It's gone into Riley, and so like the 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 contaminated blood is the one that's gone into Riley. That's why he starts to burn the first time he goes out, and also because there was nothing wrong with Riley, so there was n- there was nowhere for that blood to go and fix. Mm. So, yeah, good pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Right um this the second is um is like the the entirety of uh like Joe Colley's character. Like like that that's the kind of character that like grips me because it's it's a very flawed character and like the like like when when that when that girl walks and she and she goes to his house and and she like she has her whole monologue, and by the end of it, she says, "I forgive you." And the way he cries after that is oh man, the the, the release is was was fantastic. Yeah. Another redemption like, arc. That's it. Yeah. Another redemption arc. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Like she goes up to him in his face and says that that you, you took away you took away the, something that I could have been, and you know now I can walk and. You know, you are the one standing between me and who I could be, and the one that's standing between you and who you are, you could be is just you. And it it it, it breaks him, and it also like that's like the fucked up part is because like 
like talking with Riley, like him talking with Riley actually fucking helped him. Like like his his last conversation with Riley when he says that, you know, he's his sister died on the mainland and he couldn't go see her because because of Bev Keen and she was the only person he truly loved. And then he shakes his hand and says, Here's to being better people. It's like, fuck, man. And you know, like that's like when his death happened, I was like, oh shit, I think I get it, which is, you know, in in more cases than often, blind faith kills like the most innocent that have nothing to do with faith. And it's just, yeah, like, like even, even Riley's death was him in being a spe- skeptic, of course, but, you know, he, he chose that because he didn't want anything to do with it. I also feel like, like by the end, by the end of Bev Keen's life, she also understood that she's the one who fucked everything up because she's the one who wanted to start the fire. And yeah, so fuck Bev Keen. I'll, I'll have fuck I'll, Bev Keen. I'll have in that stupid face. It's it's so jarring, but I'd say like the first the first encounter they show with like Father Paul and and the, and the vampire. We've been calling it the vampire vampire because that's the closest we can get to it. They never call it a vampire. It's just a creature. We know what it is. We know what's going on. But, it's vampirisms. Yeah, like like yeah. when he like when he throws the match and like you can you can very barely see a hill behind the creature and it's like oh fuck man you're gonna take this the wrongest way possible. Yeah, it's it's yeah it, it, like led him astray for sure. Like even before it was doing anything, but it's got that kind of weird gnarly Nosferatu-y kind of. Oh, I love it so much. Shit, such a great. There's design, an actual yeah. actor that played it. Is that wow? The, the yeah, amount of yeah. makeup and props. I don't think it was CGI. There's a couple of shots where it's like jumping or flying or whatever, but when it's when it's you know just sucking on Aaron or whatever, that's a real thing. Yeah, loved it. Awesome. All right. Well, that's that's the midnight mass, everybody. And and uh, we had such a lovely time talking about it. Do we do we have any questions? Because we've kind of been a bit off for a little bit. <laughs> we do. We, have, we do. We, we have one on-topic question and then four off-topic weed questions. Right, okay. So the one on-topic question which was sent by the lovely, my best friend Leanne, is in what way do you feel that Midnight Mass differs from Flanagan's other works? How does it differ from his other works? I, I feel it's his most... I mean, he said this openly, but it's it's his most personal story. He's working some shit out in this one, and you can see it episode by episode. Like the other stuff he's telling a story, this he's, he's you know, purging something, um, which is the kind of work that I find the most fascinating when someone says, everything I am is in this. That's, that's, that's the kind of show I want to watch. So, yeah, that's how I think it's different. Addy? Well, it's... I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with the stupid answer is that it's the shortest. That's that's why different. <laughs> no, um, I think this this show like balances so much of your themes and stories very well that you don't like you don't have the need to go oh this is the A plot and the B plot and the C plot like everything that happens has has like a cause and effect thing where everything that's that's happening is is caused by something that's happening uh, throughout the town. Um. I also feel like Midnight Mass is where 
like Flanagan just with everything that was happening with like Netflix, he he knew what he wanted with that. And also like I think his brother was attached to this as well, like writing a few episodes. So yeah, it's like is this whole family coming together, you know, kind of healing in a way in, in like the most fucked up way possible. Yeah, yeah. Leanne, did you did you have an answer for your own question? Yes, it differs in the way that it's not so much like haunting of your house, but it's, it really scared the shit out of you. But for this one, it, it scared you more in the emotional mm. horror way. Just the horror and the grief that came out of it. And you can also tell that, yeah, like you said, Mike Flanagan put so much of himself into this and it showed with, yeah, with every episode. That's a that's a good it's a good question. Um, I'm 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 glad whoever wrote that in wrote it in. Me. Uh, <laughs> no, I know that was the joke. Yeah. Um, cool, Eddie. Well, let's let's pick two two of the non midnight mass questions just because we're running a little bit long, um, and we'll 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 answer those before we get out of here. What what film or TV show of 2024 really jingles your bells? So okay, <laughs> what fuck? Jingle. Uh, what's <laughs> is jingling the bells? It's jingle bells. Uh, for me, uh, at the moment, it's um, it's uh, born again um, or Echo. Echo looks really good. Um, interested, interested about that. Um, new Reacher series looks pretty good, but that starts like the end of this week. Um, but uh, but yeah, probably Deadpool. Uh, uh, Deadpool, my bum. Uh, Daredevil. Deadpool. Deadpool. Daredevil. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Two thousand and one. Fucking hell. I don't know, because they kind of had to start again because, it would, yeah, it, I know it's next year. Echo comes out in January, though, yeah. so, um, and that sets the stage for something because Charlie Cox is in, like, five episodes. So, um, See, I thought it was, like, in mm. two for flashbacks. Whatever. I'll t- whatever it is, the more Cox I can get. <laughs> what I'm excited for, basically, Saltburn. I've been waiting for that one to come out. It's the film starring Jacob Elordi. It's just people aren't digging it, I guess. I don't know, sort of not what they what they expected. Maybe they were expecting another, um, you know, uh, uh, promising young woman. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, Addy, what are you looking forward to, apart from me hiccuping? What's jingling? Hey, what's jingling your bells, mate? That's, that's Disney Plus. That's not sexy at all. Hang on, let me do a sexy voice. What's jingling? That's not sexy. That's ju- no, that's sexy at Christmas time. Jingle, jingle, sexy balls. I don't know. I was being an elf. And anyway, we're here. <laughs> and here we are. Um, sorry, go ahead. You, uh, what is what's jingling your bells? Um, doing doing two. Oh, doing two. Yeah. yeah. The trailer looks. Amazing. I, I know Leanne isn't excited for it. I. <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you if you're excited for it. I'm excited for you. Friends. That's what best friends are. Yeah. If you're happy, I'm happy for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I already feel like I, I love it because, like, the third one is in production. And, like, I people don't understand this is the first time it's happening since The Lord of the Rings with Peter Jackson. It's 20 years after that, mm. like, a filmmaker has been has been given so much like so much of confidence by by uh by uh, what's the name a company 
I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. fucked in the head, sorry. Warner, Warner Brothers, no, that's right. Warner Brothers really got behind him after the first one did well and after he came out against, you know, um, a directed streaming kind of, you know, day and date situations. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do a lot of business with that movie, and and the, after that he can he can write his own check to do whatever he wants. So, um, and just I, I I'm fearful because Austin Butler is in it, and I after three after three fucking trailers I still haven't seen him talk. So yeah, you worried he's gonna sound like Elvis? Yes, that's exactly what I'm worried about. The hairstyle has traumatized me. There's no hair. The the bald head. There's no hair. That I mean, the lack of a hairstyle has traumatized me. All I see is it. The dude is featureless and it's fucking weird. Don't worry about it. He looks like Bruce Willis just before he retired. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, he does zero eyebrows as well. Yeah. Well, Bruce Willis didn't have a lot of eyebrow game going on at the end. The dude looks like a thumb. Um, um, no shade. He just he was a very bald man. Uh, well, no shade to the fade. No, no shade to the fade, and no shade because baseball caps don't fit. Um, <laughs> what's the next question, professional idiots? Um, what actors or actresses that look that look like they would be siblings? Would you like to see in a film? Samuel Weaving and Margot Robbie. <laughs> what was that? Samuel Weaving and. Mugger Robbie. Robbie, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, both from Australia. It might be the case. You never know. But they may not trailer film together. They definitely look like brother and sister. Yeah, um, that's a weird uh, brother and sister. Two sisters. Two sisters. They're actually in Babylon together. Yeah, she, yeah. She's like the new ingenue, and she's like icing her nipples, which was which was fantastically funny. Um, Addie, you 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 said you said nipples, and I just I was out. <laughs> You went blank. Just you know. That, that made you like no thoughts. Yep. Vibes only. Clearing the deck. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, bum stuff. That's a very specific question. What two actors look so oh, like? Yeah. Yeah. I always okay. wanted to write a film um, years and years ago uh, called Highland Brothers about. Um, one brother from Edinburgh and one bro- like who were you know born together and they were split up because their parents split up. One went to Edinburgh and one went to Glasgow and they grew up in very different you know places. Glasgow's all tenements and things like that, and Edinburgh there is parts of it like that, but you know it's more sort of you know I don't know, affluent I guess would be the word. Um, and uh, if I'm wrong about this, my friend Sean um, is he's a big Scottish fella. Um, he'll correct me. But anyway, I wanted to write a film for. Um, uh, Sean Connery and Billy Connolly to play brothers. Um, I thought that'd be thought that'd be cool. What about you, Eddie? Uh, nipples. God. <laughs> Two nipples. Your mind just went blank. Yep. Yeah, Again, I saw he's it never happen too. Answer this question. He, he's never going to answer this question. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fifty it's, minutes of no. It's kind of exactly what happens in the segment is we just we we don't answer questions. So uh, there's a there's a book that I want to adapt. It's a it's a play, the Inherit the Wind. Mm-hmm. It's also it, it has a lot of like it's Christianity against Darwinism, and you know we did we did we come from God or did we ascend from beast kind of kind of thing. It's yeah. a it's about a school teacher who who, te- who teaches Darwin's theory of evolution and in a very Christian town and then gets jailed for it. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, it's it's also based on a true thing. To look into it. It's called the Monkey Trials. The Monkey Trials. Yeah. Are there any monkeys in it? Kind of. 
But uh, there's actual monkeys. No, it's just us. Then fuck and you. What time, my friend? <laughs> what time? <laughs> well, we're getting. It's getting. You know, it's getting late yeah, here. So okay. Better make it happen. Better make make it quick. Henry Cavill and David Concert is is two fucking um, <laughs> t- <laughs> two soups. <laughs> is is lawyers double soup? That's a good day. Two soups. Um, yeah, totally fair. There you go. Whoever wrote that fantastically obscure question in, there's some pretty good answers. Um, but that's it. That is the end of our episode. Um, Leanne, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so you're much very, for very coming. Once again. Come back anytime. I feel like I'm intruding on something special between the two of you because you should just have a special episode where you just talk talk anything just talk shit just talk <laughs> anything that comes to your mind don't talk about oh i don't know sometimes we need a topic sometimes otherwise it would derail speaking of that we we will be taking a break um for the christmas holiday period um but more than anything it's in an attempt to become um uh, more regular we're going to be eating more fiber and making sure that we are doing our doo-doos no um you know, if you follow the show, we really appreciate you. We understand that it's not a normal schedule. We're not weekly. You know, we're 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 very sporadic, and it's all over the place. And you know, we've been doing this for almost two years now, and we've only done like forty episodes or something. Um, we're we're going to make a real concerted effort to to get things out a, a regular schedule. And and in taking this time off, that is in in way of uh, helping us to get to that point by pre-recording some episodes and you know getting on top of it a bit. And you know getting more stuff out there and also spending more time doing it because because we love doing it and I you know what's we're going to commit to a, a harder schedule um, we'll absolutely have Leanne back you know to talk about whatever she wants to talk about nipples vampires <laughs> it's all it's all good we'll do a whole nipple episode um yeah we'll do with we'll the tier tier list for nipples it's got the best nipples no one ever knows me. Who knows me in real life will ever get their hands on this episode. <laughs> Definitely not my parents. Definitely not my family. Yeah. I mean, I would get them to steer clear of this episode if you if just just you know, FYI. I mean, they're, they're, it's not a nipple-centric one, but there's been a lot of nippling. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, absolute lunacy. Addy, I love you, my friend. Love you too. You're beautiful. Let's come back and do this again in 2024 and have a great time. So uh, thanks again, Leanne. Really appreciate it. Thank you. you so much for having Thank me you. on. We'll, and happy holidays. Yeah, you too. From my side. You too. You. We'll, be, we'll be back again together, the threesome. Duh, shit. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. Oh, God. The trio. The trio. The trio. Thank that you. Sounds that, sounds, that sounds less sexy. Um, so thanks very much, everyone. Uh, come back next year. We'll see you in 2024. And remember... Stay amazing, stay safe, and uh, what happens when you die?